Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask Ag Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskag Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, the leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit MilliganBio.com. Today, the Saskatchewan crop report is out and pegs harvest at 33% complete. The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance commented on the Canadian government going against Mexico's biotech corn ban and the Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society got federal funding. Farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. After the break, the Saskatchewan Crop Report. This is Saskag Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. Saskag Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. We're a third of the way through harvest. The Saskatchewan Crop Report says 33% has been combined, up from 21% last week, and ahead of the five-year average of 23%, as well as the 10-year average of 20% for this time of year. Crops Extension Specialist Mackenzie Ladoon says the Southwest is furthest advanced. So this week, the Southwest crossed the halfway point this week and is now 60% completed harvest. The West Central is close to the halfway point, with 39% of the crop off for the year. With some moisture moving into the area this week, the northwest had to pause combining for a few days and is now 8% completed. Farmers in the southeast have 20% of the crop harvested, the east central 12%, and the northwest 5%. Ladoon says all crop types are reaching maturity, allowing producers to make progress on harvest. Fall cereals are nearing completion with 96% of fall rye and 89% of winter wheat in the bin for the year. Lentils and field peas are leading the way in spring-seeded crops with 80% of each crop harvested. Mustard made significant progress this week as well with 55% of the crop harvested. This is ahead of our other oil seeds, including canola, which is at 10%, and flax, which is at 7%. Producers are currently focusing on getting their spring cereals harvested and have 48% of durum, 46% of barley, 26% of spring wheat, and 19% of oats harvested. 60% of triticale has been harvested with 56% being used for feed. The east side of the province got the most moisture this past week and it had a positive effect on cropland and hay and pastureland moisture levels. With the bank end area receiving 50 millimeters and the Tisdale area receiving 34 millimeters, cropland topsoil moisture rains are improving as recent rains begin to seep into the ground. Currently, cropland is 32% adequate for moisture, 43% is short and 24% is very short. Hay and pastureland is 22% adequate for moisture where 49% is short and 29% is very short. Grasshoppers and gophers continue to cause crop damage, among other factors. Crop damage this past week includes environmental damage such as hail, wind, drought, and localized flooding. Damage from grasshoppers and gophers also continues and persists. Geese have returned to the northern fields and are starting to cause damage both in standing crops and swath crops. She says producers are not only busy with combining and marketing grain. Others are also marketing cattle, hauling, water, and feed. 
Some producers have also started to move cattle home for the winter. If producers have any questions regarding their feed or feed quality, they're encouraged to call their local regional specialist. And as always, Ladoon reminds everyone to be safe. Harvest is a busy and stressful time for producers, and they're reminded to take safety precautions in all the work that they do. This includes being extra safe when working around power lines and also having their fire mitigation resources at the ready. This includes blowing off their combines at the end of the night. Of course, safety also encompasses mental health, and the farm stress line is available to our producers to call whenever they feel the need to. The public is also reminded to take extra caution, time, and space when encountering machinery on the roadways. Mackenzie Ladoon is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture based in Moose Jaw. You're listening to Sask Ag Today on 620 CKRM. Back with Sask Ag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Prairie 6 Inch. For Prairie 6 Inch eaves trough size matters. So see Prairie 6 Inch eaves trough your farm shop specialist. PrairieEavesTrough.ca and brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance is applauding the Canadian government for opposing Mexico's biotech corn ban. Back in February, Mexico announced it is banning the use of genetically modified corn in tortillas and dough by gradually substituting the use of biotech corn in all products used for human consumption or animal feed. Canada will step in as a third party in the dispute settlement panel proceedings in which the U.S. is challenging Mexico's ban. The executive director of the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, Michael Harvey, says they want Mexico to adhere adhere to the rules of the free trade agreement. What we're saying is that the parties to the Canada-U.S.-Mexico free trade agreement, which in this case is uh, the Mexican government, has to ensure that when it does any regulatory measures, that they have to respect their obligations under the agreement. And one of the key obligations they have under the agreement is that any sanitary and phytosanitary measures that they take have to be based on scientific risk-based principles. So our view is that they haven't done so in this case, so we're happy that the government of Canada is supporting the, the U.S. complaint against Mexico. Harvey is glad the federal government is committed to an open and fair international trading environment for agriculture and agri-food. And we think that the economy is going to grow through getting better access to international markets. And in this specific case, international markets aren't being fully open because of this restriction that the Mexican government has placed. He says the dispute will take a long time to settle. Oh, you can expect something like this to take a couple of years. Um, So it's not an immediate thing like an injunction or something like that, but uh, it is something that hopefully will solve the dispute for a long period of time. Harvey says the U.S. has a great interest in this case because they are a bigger exporter of corn to Mexico than Canada is. In 2022, the U.S. exported about $5 billion worth of corn and about $22 billion in other agricultural goods to Mexico. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we have today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer. You're listening to Sask Ag Today with 620 CKRM News Director, Brian Young. Today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94 is brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Any fanfare from the long-awaited production estimates from Statistics Canada released on Tuesday was gone by the next day. Ice canola futures initially jumped by double digits that morning, 
but throughout that session the gains faded. By the end of Wednesday's session, canola was down. Heading into those model-based principal field crop estimates, the average trade guess was at 17.4 million metric tons of canola for 2023-24. The StatScan report came in a little bit higher at 17.56 million metric tons. Nevertheless, canola production this year will be well below the 18.7 million metric tons from 2022-23. Harvest pressure was already being felt in the canola market, despite the harvest being barely underway, but a good portion of prairie canola has been swathed. Prolonged drought and record heat are threatening soybean yields in several key growing states across the Midwest United States, with most of the soybean crops still in the critical pod-setting phase that depends on moisture in August. Persistent dry conditions are lowering yield projections and raising concerns about the availability of supplies. Scouts participating in the recent pro-farmer crop tour found sporadic and highly variable yields for both corn and soybeans, especially across the western corn belt. Record high temperatures and dry conditions in August have negatively impacted both crops. At this stage of the growing season, yield loss due to ongoing heat stress is a much greater risk for soybeans than for corn. Pasta lovers must brace to pay even higher prices for their favorite dish as drought in Canada and bad weather in Europe damages crops of durum wheat and reduces supplies available to flour millers and food companies. Italy's government called a crisis meeting in May as prices for durum jumped by more than double the national inflation rate. With global production of durum wheat headed for a 22-year low, Italy's famed pasta makers have had to turn to unusual suppliers such as Turkey for their main ingredient. Retail pasta prices rose about 12% this year in Europe and 8% in the United States, according to market research firm Nielsen. The International Grains Council forecasts 2023-24 global durum production at a 22-year low, pushing world stocks to their smallest in three decades. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and his Turkish counterpart will discuss a proposal by Moscow for an alternative to the Black Sea grain deal when they meet this week. Under the plan, Russia would send a million tons of grain to Turkey at a discounted price, with financial support from Qatar to be processed in Turkey and sent to countries most in need. Last month, Russia pulled out from the year-old deal brokered by Turkey and the United Nations that had enabled Ukraine to export grain from its Black Sea ports despite the war. Russia says it quit the deal because too little of the grain was getting to the poorest countries and because it still faces obstacles to the export of its own grain and fertilizer given that Western sanctions affect payments, insurance and port access. Orange juice prices at the Intercontinental Exchange rose more than 3% on Wednesday, heading back towards an all-time high hit earlier this month as Storm Idalia slammed parts of Maine U.S. orange producer Florida. Florida's orange crop this year was already on the way to being small, only around half the size it produced just two years ago due to diseases and erratic weather. 
The hurricane will exacerbate the situation. Fields in Florida were still recovering from the impact of Hurricane Ian in 2019, while also suffering from a bacterial disease known as greening. Authorities in Florida have yet to evaluate damage to infrastructure and agricultural production as the storm moved over to Georgia. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary. Or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, mainly cloudy and a 60% chance of showers, high of 22. Tonight, partly cloudy and a 30% chance of showers early in the evening, then clearing overnight. But there will be some smoke lingering around overnight, a low of 10 degrees. Tomorrow, mainly sunny and smoke. Winds from the north, rather the west, at 20 gusting to 40 kilometers an hour near noon. High of 29, 31 with the humidex, a low of 11. Saturday sunshine, high of 32 degrees, the low 10. Sunday sunshine, high of 29, the low 15. On Monday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, high of 23. Monday night, cloudy and another 60% chance of showers, low of 9. Part the cloudy sky on Tuesday, high of 21, the low 9. And Wednesday, part the cloudy, high of 25. Normal highs for this period are around 21. Normal lows, 6 degrees. Sun rose at 6.11 this morning. And the sun will set at 7.46 tonight. Taking a look around the province in Estevan, 22. Swift Current in Yorkton, 19. Saskatoon, 14. Weyburn, 20. The warm spot in Saskatchewan is in Key Lake at 25.7 degrees. The cool spot in Saskatoon at 14.4. Regina, mostly cloudy. Winds from the west-northwest at 19 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 49%. Temperature 22 degrees or 71 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 100.2 and falling. In Moose Jaw, also mostly cloudy. Winds from the southwest at 17. Temperature 23 degrees. Again in the Queen City, mostly cloudy. West-northwest wind at 19. Temperature 22 degrees. Back in a moment. You're tuned to SaskAg Today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of SaskAg Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. The Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society has received a major financial boost from the federal government. Capital Campaign Chair Terry Tyson has the details. We got some wonderful news from uh, the uh, Federal uh, Department of Heritage, and uh, they came through with a $500,000 contribution to the uh, uh, interpretive station project that we're working on at the, at the flour mill site. He explains what the interpretive station will be. The interpretive station at the mill is it's, it's an addition to the mill itself, uh, designed in the style of a, um, a historic uh, railway station, so the aesthetics kind of fit with the, with the heritage theme, 
The addition will house an event center, kind of a medium-sized event center, and some meeting space um, available to things like service groups and and uh, smaller groups and that kind of thing. Mid-size events, maybe 120, 130 type people, gatherings, weddings, uh, those types of things. And it will also house an interpretive center in the main entrance area that is really designed to connect people to agriculture, agriculture and agri-food and uh, those those industries that are our area our city for sure and our area at large is kind of built around tyson says the funding will allow them to begin construction on the interpretive station before the year is out it it really is a game changer we we have uh, for some time been uh, been been hoping to access some federal funding we felt that if we were going to get across the line we were going to need it frankly and and uh, this is exactly kind of what the doctor ordered so yes we are at a point with our fundraising we aren't quite done yet done done but we're close and we're close enough to get started so uh, we are planning to start construction yet this fall uh, we're going to have a sod turning to kind of uh, mark the occasion uh, on Friday, September 15th at the mill site, and uh, and uh, we should uh, begin construction shortly thereafter. The construction was uh, awarded to NL Construction here in Yorkton, so we're excited to move forward with them. He says their fundraising efforts have been successful so far. It's going well. Of course, this is this is a real uh, whole bunch of wind in the sails. We've made several announcements along the way. We had some really great support from Yorkton and areas business community and the city of Yorkton and and all of that. This contribution from the federal government puts us at a, uh, we're still about three hundred thousand short. But we do have sort of uh, call it some promising irons in the fire. And uh, and some other additional plans. We we are very confident that we're going to uh, re- reach the goal. Tyson adds the historic flour mill is very unique. Well, it is the only remaining heritage mill of brick construction in uh, in the province, and as far as we know, in Western Canada. So, the, the, you know, the, there there was a time when when many towns had a had an old mill somewhere in them. Not all that many of them stand anymore, uh, and ours is the only one of brick construction. And, and those bricks were actually forged uh, right uh, right here in Yorkton uh, by the by the fellow who built the the, the facility. So is, uh, that's kind of what sets it apart. I, I should mention that kind of the the pivot towards this project occurred once the the Brick Mill Heritage Society had gotten to the finish line in terms of restoring the mill. So the brick mill itself is fully restored and renovated and open to public tours now and, and those types of things. So uh, once that was complete, the, the vision uh, changed to, to, you know, to today's vision of, of the interpretive station at the, at the mill. He notes they've put a lot of work into the grounds of the flour mill as well. You know, again, uh, some, some wonderful support from from the community and uh, from various elements of government as well, and um, so we've we've been able to beautify uh, the grounds a, a great deal. We host the uh, the wheat uh, plot tours for the crops of the park, parkland on site, and of course we 
uh, we uh, are the new home of, of the sundial that was in, uh, in Yorkton uh, City Center Park there. And Tyson hopes the mill will help the public better understand the agriculture industry. You know, the distance, the, the growing distance between society and the farm and, and our, our hope to just be one more voice trying to, trying to bridge that gap and, and build connections and trust between agriculture and agri-food and the general public. Terry Tyson is the Capital Campaign Chair of the Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society. They've just received $500,000 in federal funding to help build an interpretive station at the mill. Coming up after the break, we have another report from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM News Director Ryan Young. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Looked at Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumber yard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Today's Saskatchewan Agriculture Report comes from Chelsea Siemens, a livestock and feed extension specialist from Kindersley. Expected progeny differences, or EPDs, have been used as a selection tool for beef cattle for many years. EPDs express the potential genetic makeup of one animal's progeny, or offspring, compared to another. They help to predict an animal's ability to pass on specific traits and allow producers to compare bulls or females within the same breed to make purchase or retention decisions. Traditional EPDs rely on a combination of the individual animal's performance as well as the performance of its relatives. Often, bulls and replacement heifers are purchased or retained as yearlings before much of their own performance is known and before they have produced any calves. As a result, their EPDs are based on the performance of relatives and tend to be less accurate than those of older animals that have produced calves. Accuracy is expressed as a percentage and indicates how close the EPD is to the true value. As more information is collected over time, accuracy of the EPD increases. The incorporation of genomic data into EPDs is an extra layer of information that improves accuracy. Data is obtained by collecting a DNA sample and sending it to a lab for testing of a predetermined set of genes. Other genetic testing like parentage verification may be done at the same time. This genomic data can increase EPD accuracy, similar to having performance data on 10 to 30 calves of that animal, depending on the trait. The incorporation of genomic data improves the quality of EPDs over pedigree data alone. However, the accurate collection and reporting of performance data, like birth, weaning, and yearling weights, calving ease, and carcass data is still vital. Genomically enhanced EPDs combine data from genetic testing with pedigree performance and progeny data for an overall value. The use of genomically enhanced EPDs adds information. However, there are limitations that don't change with this added data. Most traits are not completely dictated by genetics. Environmental or non-genetic factors also play a role, and it's important to recognize the impact of these factors. The proportion of a trait that can be explained by genetics alone is referred to as the heritability. Additionally, traits do not exist in isolation from one another. Selection for one trait can unintentionally result in changes to another. An awareness of the heritability of traits and correlations between traits is helpful for deciphering EPDs and creating a strategy to use them for selection of desired characteristics in the herd. For more information, please contact your local regional services office or call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. 
That's Chelsea Siemens, a livestock and feed extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture based in Kindersley. After the break, we have the market update. Here's the market updates with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were mixed in early trading today. Canola is up $4.40 to $7.6602 a metric ton. Number one red spring wheat is down $4.79 to $3.2334. And the rest were unchanged. Durham at $5.2393. Feed barley $2.9061. Chickpeas $10.3617. Flax $5.6154. Lentils $8.6750. Oats $301.32. Yellow peas $3.7508. And feed wheat $2.4097. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for September is up one and a half cents at seven dollars and fifty-seven and a quarter cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock eight four two forty five seventy four. Now the latest livestock quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of August the 30th. What a fun and entertaining day we had. It was full of excitement, I would say. 425,000 bulls and a whopping 2,040 in our pre-search for a total of 2,465 for the day. This cow and bull market continues selling steady to stronger in some places. D1, D2 cows, 140 to 150, sales to 153, 154. D3 cows, 130 to 140, older type, weaker, thinner cows, blemish cows, 85 to a dollar. Cows are averaging 142 from that Melva area. 1,600-pound cows topped out at 155. Good bulls, 153 to 163, sales to 180, 181. Bulls are averaging 164 from that good Sheho area. 2,100-pound bull topped out at 182 and a quarter. A nice job there. If you got cow cows, bulls to move, this is the time to sell them. This market is quite attractive. On to the pre-store sale. This market is very hot. It's as hot as, well, I don't know. On the steer side, listen up. 425-pound tan steers at 490. 500-pound black steers at 440. 575-pound steers at 408. 650-pound steers at 380. On to the yearling steers. They're selling well right now. 650-pound yearling steers at 370. 750-pound yearling heifers, there were 77 in this group. They topped out 349. 850-pound yearling heifers, there was 58 in this package at 333. 950-pound heifers, 314. And 1,050-pound steers at 285. On to the heifer side here. 400-pound heifers at 388. 500-pounders at 324. And 575-pound heifers at 316. On to the yearling heifers. 650-pound yearling heifers, there was 117 in this package. They topped out at 331. 750-pound yearling heifers, a whopping 174 in this package. They topped out at 310. 850-pound yearling heifers, there was 116 in this package, and they sold for $3. 950-pound heifers at 289, and 1,050-pound heifers at 251. A good sale day was had by all. Next week... September 6th sale, only a regular sale due to the holiday Monday. Our next pre-sort is Wednesday, September the 13th. A thousand head consigned so far. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. Enjoy the long weekend, everyone. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. 
The latest pork prices are at $217.73 per CKG. Up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Metro workers from 27 grocery stores in the greater Toronto area will vote this afternoon on a second tentative deal aimed at ending a more than month-long strike. The Montreal-based grocer and the Unifor Bargaining Committee announced yesterday morning that a deal had been reached. The deal came one day after Metro was granted a temporary injunction restricting secondary picket lines that blocked fresh product deliveries to its stores. The more than 3,700 workers have been on strike since July 29th in their push for better working conditions, more full-time jobs, and a return of their pandemic hero pay. Georgia residents who are customers of the state's largest electrical utility could see their bills soon rise by almost $10 a month to help pay for a new nuclear power plant. Georgia Power Company says customers would pay $7.56 billion more for plant Vogtel construction costs under the agreement with utility regulatory staff. Vogtel's Unit 3 and Unit 4 are the first new American reactors built from scratch in decades. Each is capable of powering 500,000 homes and businesses without releasing any carbon. On the markets, the TSX is down 17 points at 20,312. The Dow is down 55 points to 34,864. Oil is up $1 at $82.63 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at 73.80 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the on-demand Sask Ag Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's another edition of Sask Ag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.